<laughs> Why? Why? Oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't know how else to start that. Oh, uh, hey, I didn't see you there. <laughs> you know, every, uh, everybody seems to be bothering us about having inter- intro music and and whatnot. But uh, you know, if you thought that sounded cool. That's not going to be our intro music because that music was written by Radiohead. Yeah, we couldn't afford it. Too bad, dude. Couldn't buy the rights. Mm. Nothing nothing good about that, but that, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> we'll everything find will be in its right place once we afford it. Everything comes from something. You know, we, we're still working on the intro music, but we, we decided to do a music episode for you anyways. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Everything Comes From Something. My name is Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tuttle. And me, Tim Smith. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Here's the actual You're real reason why we couldn't use intro music. It's because you would start every episode by coughing <laughs> really awkwardly. I was just trying to be hip and modern like those rappers, you know what I mean? They they cough on the track. Post Maloney. You know, because yeah, they, they're smoking too much of that marijuana. Ladies and gentlemen, Everything Comes From Something is a unoriginal podcast about unoriginality. And today, episode 41 is all about where the bands went. What happened? Where did they go? We're a bunch of whiny white people. <laughs> we complain about music when yeah. we have a nice place to sleep and a lot of good food. Wah, I want my jazz back. <laughs> what happened to good music? <laughs> and we brought Tim Smith here because, Tim, what Hi the guys. heck do you do for a living? I'm a graphic designer slash musician. Yeah, I would say all that stuff, but you're yeah. also a regular concert concert attender. Yes, I am indeed. And that's not for a living. That's just for a that's hobby. That's what he does for a living. Every time I hang out with Tim, he's like, hey, you see that Outside Lands lineup? <laughs> I do. Or Coachella. Dude, you're like a festival's nut, man. Dude, yeah, it's it's been the process for me. Anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off like that. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> um, today's episode is brought to you by our Patreons that support us at patreon.com slash podcast. If you listen to the show and you enjoy the episode, you can check us out right there and throw a couple bucks our way. But shout out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill, Kiana Lay Yap, and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you guys for supporting the show. They're on our uh, executive producer creative team. The, the the title keeps getting longer every week. <laughs> but they basically help us decide shows. But uh, the amount of involvement comes down to the way they support us so we are so grateful for what you guys do and if you guys are interested again that is ecfs podcast um at patreon.com slash all in reverse uh, I'm butchering this podcast.com <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just move on. All right. Of course, you can support us on, by telling a friend about the show. Give us a rating on iTunes, and we're on all the social media stuff. It's late. It's 10 o'clock, and we've been doing a lot of research for this music episode. Cameron, what the heck are we talking about I think today? it's going to be stacked. Yeah, well, we were t- we were talking at dinner because we, we knew we wanted to do something about music. We were talking about dinner about what, what, what happened. What happened to bands? Like, why don't we have bands anymore? Every every rock band, they all sound like, well, garbage A, but but they sound like uh, there was they were, they didn't actually play anything. They didn't actually pick up an instrument. <laughs> you it's, know what I mean? It's really odd because as musicians, I think we sit and and some bands just sound like they have this natural like, oh, we're actually playing together sound. Yeah. And then there's like this studio clean, everything is in tempo, in beat, on like exactly in the pocket, right? Where it should be, you know, and it almost sounds like nobody's playing. Like, well, and yeah, there, there's some of that, but that can actually be cool, right? Like that can be, that can be an interesting sound if you really want something to be like, like tightly constructed and really like masterfully crafted. 
then I think it really comes down to if the if the actual like musicians or if the actual like like band leaders are doing that you know like they're the ones who are putting the time and effort into making it like a perfect album or a perfect product but when it i think nowadays a couple people go in a room and they 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 play a a couple little notes the guy sings a little bit and then and then they ship it off to the producer and the producer's like all right we're gonna put this here and this here we're gonna make this reverse and we're gonna we're gonna flip it upside down and we're gonna sell a million copies well i mean but there's an art to that as well right and yeah i'm not saying it's I mean, there's an art to that in the same way there's an art to to drawing posters to sell cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing we really wanted to avoid, and, you know, if you listen to the show, you can hear sometimes Cameron and I have a, a chunk of cynicism, but we try to spin some positivity on it, right? We might not connect with a lot of modern bands or a lot of a lot of modern music in that sense, right? But we still wanted to find where this shift came from. And so the whole purpose of this episode is to go decade decade by decade uh, from the 1960s where we thought, you know, band culture really started to kick off and become like hyper and hype-ish and kind of just walk up through the decades and see, you know, where have bands come from and how did we get to the point that we're at today? And so we are actually going to be sharing a couple music clips. Now, we don't know too much about legal copyright laws or anything like that. So we're going to be giving short clips of, of songs that maybe you haven't heard in order to highlight certain artists. Now, if you're an older audience listener, we are not going to be playing a lot of classic music or a lot of classic rock or classic bands because they're usually a little bit more tight with the way they do copyrights. And alongside, we expect that most of you guys know uh, the bands we're talking about, the, the older they get, right? So we've really tried to highlight uh, newer bands so that if you're not so well-versed, there's, there's just a ton of music out there today. You, you'll you hear some stuff and be like, oh yeah, maybe I, maybe I do know that band that they're talking about because it seems like as the music industry grows, so do the number of musicians and so do the number of popular bands and now it's just becoming a very diluted uh, cesspool. Yeah. Oh, oh, all right. Gross. That's a, that's a way to put it, Tim. <laughs> And way to chime in. But you like, I mean, you like modern bands. I love all thing. music. Yeah, you're like, you're like really. I would say you're a lot more well versed in new stuff than either me or Isaac. And Isaac is more well versed in new stuff than I am. Yeah, Isaac brought up the point that it's more of a job. Yeah, b- right before we started recording. Yeah. And so yeah, at one point, like two years ago, I I became more focused on listening to music drops every Friday and Thursday night. Mm. And so I'll go through two three hours and just cycling through all the music that's good and bad wow it's crazy that's intense you know i stick to something called uh discover weekly on my spotify which basically uh hand pick songs that they think will be of my taste and some of them are older but some of them are newer too it's not hand picked it's it's algorithm picked right right i mean obviously (laughs) right works uh but it it looks at your library and then comes up with a list of music that they think you may or may not like and so I'll listen. I try to listen to that weekly. You know, this week I was, I mean, right before this, actually, my day at school, I was trying to listen through it and it was just unbearable. I couldn't, I couldn't sit through like the whole playlist. It's only 30 songs, but like even that, I just, I'm like, oh my gosh. Do you skip songs? Yeah. Okay. I give them like a minute because I feel bad. You know, Jules is a musician. She's my girlfriend. And she talks about how when she pitches a song, they'll be like, oh, the intro is too long. And she was like, what do you mean? It's like eight seconds. They're like, yeah, no, we don't want it on our playlist. Like, that's literally mm. the trouble she's having right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, And she's a pop writer, so 
and obviously she kind of expects that but sometimes she gets frustrated because she'll listen to modern pop and she's like dude the intro's 12 seconds the intro's 12 <laughs> how did they get away with that you know like and it's because she's smaller and she's still trying to blow up right yeah. um but the playlists dude they're they're funky man they are funky the the discover weekly on spotify i find a lot of cool stuff here and there but you know like i said i try to give it a lot of time uh actually shout out to a band called the glass animals um I have a record right behind me by the Glass Animals. I there is a song on there called Angie's, I think, and it's kind of a depressing song about suicide. But <laughs> the song starts very mellow, and and it, it's actually like not a very noticeable. It's a very forgettable song at the beginning, but the chorus of that song is so catchy. And then by the last two minutes of the last minute of the song they take that chorus and just pound it into your head over and over and over again it is like one of the best melodies i've heard in a, in a song like if you guys get the chance glass animals angie's like it's it's really cool um i would bring it up tim but we're gonna stick to the music we've selected so yes yeah, so this episode will feature some music i understand that the uh i'm looking at the wave file here our intro music was a little too quiet so my cough okay. probably just blew your eardrums out by the way <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm gonna try they to turned auto. it up for the radio head I'm but sure. turned it down for your cough yeah I, I try to you know i'll try to auto level that we'll see what happens see there. so but, i will say just one thing before we move on about about Spotify Discover Weekly. I also go through it every now and then, and I hardly any find I hardly find music that I actually like. Except I found Hiatus Coyote through through uh, Spotify Discover Weekly, and they they've been uh, turning my brain into mush. So, dang, in a good way. All right, boys. Well, I think it's time to hop into the history of bands. Now, we kind of have a thesis statement about these bands and we'll kind of touch on it right now in the 1960s and continue to theme and then we'll come with a conclusion about why we think where we are feeling a disconnect from modern bands and tim i don't know if you feel that same disconnect because you're very plugged in and i'd like to hear your opinion about it at the end yeah we'll do uh but let's go ahead and start with 1960 we've come up with a list of bands also just to preface this is like rock mainly yes i think is is basically what we're talking about is rock bands yes and there's a lot of bands that you might think of but we won't get to definitely yeah we weren't born in the 60s and we're going to touch on the big ones right and we might even miss some big ones because we weren't alive during that time we just i mean like we're trying to get across we are heavy appreciators of music i i think you know it's well to be said even for the bands that we're going to say we don't necessarily like they're definitely doing better than we are and they're more creative than us well not necessarily more creative but they have made it further and they're probably great musicians in some regards right maybe uh we don't we don't know but um yeah like no no offense to the people who are in some of these bands one of the bands we're going to talk about is imagine dragons and you know cameron you said you hate the band uh tim not a big fan the the singer actually came out recently i read something on his instagram about how his band has just gotten like so much crap over the years and like, he was basically like, you know, it just kind of sucks that we've gotten all this crap. And and apparently a lot of bands have went out and said harsh things against their band. Mm. And so he listed them in this post. Wow. And he was like, I have no hard feelings against you guys. It just breaks my heart that you guys would just hate me for no reason. And, I mean, maybe it's not for no reason. Maybe you can't stand his music on the radio, right? The, the lead singer of Imagine Dragons. But 
I don't know. Like hearing stuff like that, it's kind of like sobering for me. Yeah. Right? yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's like people behind this. And even if it's not my cup of tea, it's going to be someone else's or it's going to be something like, it's going to be for someone. I right? think for the most part, what we're talking about, I mean, maybe it'll change once we get to the modern day. And, and that's mainly because of me, because I'm a sourpuss, but like, I think for the most part, it's going to be appreciation of these bands. And then I think we're going to talk about like what happened nowadays. Well, like, I, th- I think it's more of a question like this episode's called, where is the band? Right. Yeah. Our confusion is what is a band today? Yeah. Why are people calling 21 pilots a band? I, I don't know. Maybe we just don't know what a band is anymore. Um, and it's not necessarily to say that their music is bad. Right. Some of their music is bad. But some of it is just like, how can we call this rock? Like, how is this, how is this, how does this have anything to do with what came before it? I think is, is what, is what we're questioning. Now, obviously like Cameron, I know we're doing a lot of disclaimers, but Cameron comes from a heavy rock background. Yeah. Uh, You find a lot of influence in, in jazz and rock and how they mesh together historically. Yeah. And I, I've seen that in the way you play guitar as well. Um, you're you're a good guitarist, and so I think that you come with a heavy bias. Me, on the other hand, I don't mind a little bit more pop, but I have like this strange subjective arc where it's like I'll just hate stuff suddenly. Like <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm trying to work on it actually because Juliana loves pop, and she shows me so much pop, and I'm just like I cannot be like. Sometimes she'd be like, "Why aren't you saying anything?" I'm like, "I just I'm trying to think of something good to say." You know, <laughs> like I it's it's hard for me. I get that. Um, but yeah, so. Again, no, like, as far as this goes, like, we are just trying to observe and really come to a conclusion about what's going on in music today, because apparently we're old now. I don't know. Is that what's <laughs> happening, Tim? I think so. That we're just getting right old, man. Dude, Tim yeah. only listens to, like, three hours of music so he can feel young again. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? Yeah. He's like, must listen to the modern release. Anyways, yeah. Let's start with 1960s. I think the big the big king to the kickoff of band craze. Those were the days. Vietnam uh, and all those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big kickoff is the Beatles. Um, yeah, not, not to say that they're the first band ever, but... They really did shake what it meant to be a band in the spotlight, for sure. And what hasn't been to about the Beatles already? Like, books about them. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I don't think we're going to add anything to the discussion of the Beatles, right? Like, right, yeah. <laughs> like, everybody talks about the Beatles. I, I think, in my mind, the Beatles kind of uh, revolutionized the... Um, how how the how rock should sound essentially they came from an era where where sort of surf rock and like like rock and roll and rockabilly like those were the popular forms of rock in their early days um and they had a lot of those sort of almost like um candy coated rock you know what i mean you know what i'm talking about yeah Mm -hmm. um it's very like it's very uh skin deep in a lot of ways. And then they evolved um, to have something very strange, experimental, and um, complex. Uh, and it's not something that you really get from a lot of their early music. Um, and I think that, to me, that really started with Revolver. Um, but that's just my opinion. So that's, I mean, that's basically all, all I have to say <laughs> about the Beatles because yeah. what hasn't been said. I mean, for me, I think the only thing to add is that I grew up listening to them because it was like the one band that my dad was like, 
oh yeah like you gotta hear it. you gotta hear the Beatles and I just remember being confused because of how weird it was and my dad is a very like a very like straight hard kind of guy you know <laughs> um but like yeah that it it's very interesting you listen to their discography in the beginning is just uh almost like simple like like you're saying and it, it just evolves into something so dramatically different yeah like if, if you put their last album and their first album together you'd think they're two different bands and it's I think, called drugs people yeah <laughs> I, I i really do think it, it is quite interesting uh and of course 1960s you know we got the rolling stones which are big um I mean, Tim, did you want to add anything on the Beatles? I mean, there's there's so much that's already been said. So yeah, what Cameron was saying about Revolver, I look back, yeah, that's probably one of the defining albums of the decade. How it revolutionized production route, production and all the weird yeah. techniques that future that they will do again. And Sgt. Pepper's and then Beach Boys had some similar stuff that we'd be talking about as well. This is a very interesting part of the decade. Yeah, the di- the di- dichotomy that I want to compare especially this episode we're going to get to, and we're going to show the difference between Jimi Hendrix and Beach Boys in a second, but I wanted to touch on the Stones and a couple other bands real quick. Do you guys have any thoughts on Rolling Stones? I love the Rolling Stones, but they, they are uh, in like a totally different wing than the Beatles, and I think we're, we're going to get to this, but the Stones are like super influenced from, from blues and R&B, and that's like, that's like their bread and butter. And so they, they brought along the... Um, like we're gonna go get up on stage. We're gonna play a bunch of solos. We're gonna we're gonna have fun and be a blues band. Um, and then we're also gonna take things down a notch and play ballads and play, um, you know, play songs where we just use a use a banjo. You know, like they they have they have they have a really folky bluesy vibe. And I think what you see is the Beatles. Um, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, and then the Stones and um, and Jimi Hendrix and people like that, they split off into two camps, and there's this tension between them throughout the, the decades, and this is what we're going to talk about. There's this tension about... Um, if if the band should be if the music should be produced almost organically in studio where they're all or almost like they're playing live and they're they're playing it as a band or should it be really meticulously um, crafted in studio they're they're working really hard to make things um, sound a certain way and it in some ways it's in service of of the actual instruments but it's really to produce sort of a cohesive product um, and and I think we'll hear we'll hear this in what you're gonna queue up, Isaac. If you want to say more about yeah, it. Yeah, no. Uh, so this is Jimi Hendrix, and I I haven't listened to a lot of Jimi Hendrix, but I think he encapsulates this idea of what you're talking about of like, I mean, how'd you say it? Like the live raw like kind of feeling. So here's one of his solos from the song All Along the Watchtower. And I, I think what's really noticeable about like a song like this is that there's like this straight shredding, and I know I know that's why you like it, Cameron. Um, I mean, I hear a lot of your guitar style like coming through with that. Um, yeah, what do you guys have to say about Hendrix? He's so good. I mean, he was like he was a pioneer in his craft of just playing the guitar, right? Like that's that's all he 
I mean, he he played guitar and sang, but but like his his bread and butter was, I'm going to learn how this guitar works, <laughs> and I am going to absolutely destroy everybody in how to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's I mean it's super impressive, but like the difference that we're talking about, you mentioned the Beach Boys earlier. We can hear in the song "Good Vibrations." Check this out. I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head So, pretty big difference between this song and Jimi Hendrix soloing. By the way, uh, we we had some quick audio issues, so if you if we get a little bit of static, um, I just had a mental breakdown trying to figure out how to make this thing work. <laughs> we don't usually do song and mic at the same time, but that's besides the point. Getting back to good vibrations, what's the difference that we're hearing between Hendrix and Beach Boys? I feel like this is a quiz. I feel like you're testing me. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the main difference is that it the, the Beach Boys feel like they they've been sort of poured over. Um, in the studio, they feel like they've been like really labored over the sound of of how it's going to come out on the end. Um, whereas Hendrix is basically just shredding and he sounds cool kind of regardless. And I don't think he really I think he probably does all of his songs in one take. Like that's what that's what I would guess. I don't think the Beach Boys or the Beatles did that. So. Yeah, no. And specifically, Good Vibrations was the lead singer, I think, of Beach Boys, really trying to find Brian a Wilson. new... Yeah, Brian Wilson trying to find a new sound. Because I took a history of rock and roll class at West Valley, and that was one of the things is that the Beatles got into very like experimental stuff towards the end of their uh, albums. And uh, Brian Wilson's wanted to tap into that, and Good Vibrations was kind of his baby. They did a lot of like oscillation, I think that's the right word, really manipulating the way the Oscillator. sound... Yeah, really uh, manipulating the way the sound came out on that record. And I think you can hear it just from that intro clip that it's, there's just like much more of a rich full sound. I mean, maybe it's because we fixed the audio cable uh, <laughs> compared to Hendrix solo sounding like it was coming on an iPhone through the mic. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We just want, I don't know what happened. All right. But that's besides the point. So we, we see this early split early in the 60s. And I think the thing we want to highlight as we go through the rest of these bands throughout the decades is that this split continues for a long time as we're doing some research so any last thoughts on the 1960s we, we listed a couple other bands uh credence clear water revival uh grateful dead and i'm sure there's more but any other thoughts on the 60s uh, an introductory time to to rock and roll i would say that's it's like when rock really started to pick up legs definitely definitely well let's move on to the 1970s then um, where to start? Where to start? Seventies were prime time. Cameron, is, I I know what you want to talk about. I want to talk about Led Zeppelin because I always want to talk about Led Zeppelin. When do you not want to talk about Led Zeppelin? <laughs> They're the best. They're, They're the one so band good. we definitely cannot play on this yeah, podcast. That's true. Let's play Greta Van Fleet. They're the same thing. <laughs> Wrong. If you don't know, there's like a band that says they're not Led Zeppelin, and they're not. But they really do sound like them. They're mm. modern Greta Van Fleet, right? Yep. Yeah, the guy. The guy sounds a lot like the main singer. Mm. What well, What's weak about the rest of the band is that the other instruments don't have the same soul. I think that Zeppelin has, but that's just my opinion. They do have a good f- feel. They have. They have a great feel. It could be a good tribute band, <laughs> which is kind of insulting. But Oof. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh. 
Yeah, so I th- what's that list that you had for the 70s? Let's read that. Well, starting off, we have uh, Fleetwood Mac, which um, their big record... Rumors. Was, rumors. I almost said Dreams. That's the Cranberries. Are they in the... No, Dreams, no, no, no. Is, Dreams a is a song in rumors. rumors. Oh, Cranberries does a song called Dreams, too. Really? And Zombie. Yeah, but I like their song Dreams a lot. And Passion Pit does a good cover of Dreams, too. It wasn't Passion Pit supposed to be named Paramore before that? What? I think so. I think... Uh, or maybe it was someone else. No, never mind. We are going down a rabbit hole with this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fun story. I actually met the producer of Fleetwood Mac, and uh, he was the one that worked on Rumors. He hates that band. Um, if you don't know the story behind Rumors, it's basically the bands hooking uh, with each other and breaking up and then writing music. Well, there was a divorce going on yeah. During, yeah. during that as well between some of the band members. So probably not a pretty time. I kind of feel bad for him, but... There's like kind of an amazing history with all of the, all of the band's albums. Like I I don't know it exactly, but there's like, basically all of the albums are like when people were either getting together or divorcing. <laughs> it's horrible. But we yeah. are grateful for that. People yeah. people really like Fleetwood Mac. I I don't. I love them. I think they're great. I think they're cool. I think they're fine. I I have a inherent like criticism towards them just because Jules like can't really stand listening to them as as often I think because it was played so much when she grew up mm-hmm. uh, and her dad loves them so you know too much of a good thing kind of ruins it after a while I you guess so. I mean um, and then we got Zeppelin of course um, Chicago I, I know there was a recent documentary about Chicago that was kind of interesting. My parents oh, really? enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. Cool. I'd um, like to watch that. Pink Floyd, very yes. influential. Never got the Pink Floyd thing. Really? Personally. Yeah, I, I've never, it has never caught my you attention. Have to, you have to listen to their full albums. <sighs> I know that's something that, but first of all, you should you should be listening to albums anyways, um, like cover to cover. At I, least a, I, I a lot of these this. old ones. I've been trying. I've been trying. I know Tim, you do a lot of cover to cover. I, I try to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a way to listen to a lot of these old bands, but especially Pink Floyd, because their albums are tied to, usually tied together by a central theme, and that flows from from song to song. And it's kind of what makes them a progressive rock band is that they they build on on the ideas from the last song. So they build from the ideas even within the song from from minute one to like minute seven. I like their songs along. But um yeah, I mean I think I think Pink Floyd is 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 really, really excellent. Well, I know they got a lot of shirts at Target, so maybe I should pay attention <laughs> to them. I, I think I think Wish You Were Here is like an amazing cover to cover album. It's only like 45 minutes long, so it's not that long, but I think it's just absolutely spectacular. Is that the man with the man on the fire? Yeah. Right. yeah. I'll have to give that one a try. I think uh, the the one with the, the, um, the triangle. Wall. Ooh, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. People tell me to listen to that, and I ha- I don't think I've been mature enough to sit down and really. It's give, great. Give that, it it really is great. It gets a little chaotic, but it's all part of its purpose. Hello. So when we were looking at the split in this uh, decade, Right, obviously, Zeppelin, Cameron Youth feel like really encapsulates that we're a band recording together and that feeling. And then, uh, actually, we mentioned David Bowie, um, which we haven't talked about on the show, but we kind of prepared. He has that very meticulous studio feel. Uh, this is his song Ziggy Stardust. We're just gonna play the beginning for you real quick here. Oh. 
I think it definitely sounds better if you had headphones listening to it. I don't know what's going on with the grainy side. Just adds more vintage sound to it. No. Yeah, it's retro, old school. Mm. Cameron's like, I'm going to go home. Guys, it's like 1030. Yeah. That's besides the point. We're talking about music. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, David Bowie, I, I haven't listened to a lot of him. I, I heard him in Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which is a great, actually, I, I'll give him credit. They definitely made me go back and listen to a lot of older music, but... um. You should also, if you're listening to cover cover to cover albums, you should also listen to Ziggy Stardust cover to cover because it's excellent. Well, I've listened Absolutely to excellent. I've listened to a lot of songs from that album. Yeah, yeah, and and I like the songs on that record. So, but I I think Bowie has a really interesting um, interesting vibe. Well, first of all, because he's he's like really spanned the decades. Yeah, um, and he has periods of time where he's just like super super prominent. Um, but he, I don't know, he, he has this, um, quality of being very put together in terms of his music, like very, very, um, thorough in how, in how his music is made. Um, it doesn't seem like, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of, uh, room for, for, um, experimentation in his in his music as far as like um what the band is doing but his experimentation is comes down to the song form and his writing style and like what the actual music is is doing but like i feel like he probably writes a whole uh like page of of like an actual song like he orchestrates an actual song and then like sends it to whoever musicians he he is hiring for the moment and and they play it you know what i mean like he's got he's got a very meticulous feel to him yeah and i think it reflects in his um music i i think that my favorite song by him is the moon age daydream and that just the utilization of silence not not necessarily it's never quiet in the song but like there's um there's a composition to it that seems well crafted. Just the first two notes that dun 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 like it's like someone really thought out like how the song flows, you know? And yeah. and and I think that kind of goes into what is leaning into that studio side um production and, and and feel. Now we did have a song from Tom Petty, uh I won't back down, but I think most people know that. Um so we're gonna probably pass over it for the 70s just kind of we're continuing to build this narrative about there's a split uh in the generations and i think you know what's funny as i think back to it we weren't alive during that time but we've definitely experienced this in our modern time it's probably what we're experiencing right now right is i'm sure that the population or or the or the group of people who loved music right they were probably thinking that, oh my gosh, this is way too studio produced or, or it doesn't sound like yeah. as hardcore as Zeppelin, right? Or as or as as, as um as like real good feeling band playing live like Tom Petty. You know? Groups like Pink well, Pink Floyd does have like a, a like a really cool Every, I mean everybody loves Pink Floyd. Uh, apparently not me. Not I don't you. know. I, I, well, I haven't given him a fair chance. So, but like groups like Chicago and David Bowie, maybe some people rolled their eyes, right? Similar to the way that we kind of feel about modern music. Um, but I, I'm not sure I wasn't alive back then. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like everybody kind of thought that they were cool in I, the day. I know that that happened in the 80s, and here's why. 
uh, Juliana's dad is really into classic rock. And so sometimes it will be really confusing because when I'll talk to him and, and we're, we can transition to the eighties with this, like he'll, he'll say, Oh, journey journey's crap. <laughs> and then I'll hear him listening to journey later. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's classic, you know, it's classic. But he's like, Oh, back in the day, journey was crap. Like you couldn't listen to that. And as a matter of fact, he, he told me, he was like, Oh, like people didn't listen to queen. Like people didn't listen to queen. It was, it was like too, like hipster or some people were afraid of like the gay stigma and whatnot behind it and he he was like well i remember i always thought that it was cool but i wouldn't say it out loud you know i was like oh of course you did you know in the 80s right yeah um but (laughs) frank is really funny he's a great guy um yeah kind of moving into the 80s we can talk about some bands i know tim you're you're a big fan of the cure right yeah this is where i start to enjoy more rock and roll as it splits from the classic rock since into the new wave such as new order joy division and the cure especially and these have the that really interesting electro not electronic but there's some sense some rock and they f- tend to focus more on the lyrics and the voice and as you're saying cameron kind of the band goes away but, yeah but at the same time they're all very amazing instrumentalists like but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's there's a flatter tone. Here here's a uh, clip from Pictures of You by The Cure real quick on disintegration. You can kind of hear how like the instruments fall into the background. I mean, it's not that you can't hear them, right? They're still there. It's just like the ambience. There there's a heavy reliance on on that ambience, right? And I think ambient music is kind of returning. Definitely. I mean, with wave and yeah. I mean, uh, like synth, synthwave yeah. is is actually really heavily inspired by this era, by by new wave. You know, yeah. so I think this is kind of where you start to get the like the clean break between this doesn't sound anything like the glam rock that's happening also in the '80s, right? Like you get this sort of um, I don't even know if you would say it's polished necessarily. Like I don't know if it's necessarily studio polished, but it's it's very um it feels safe. Yeah, yeah. In, in a way, yeah. I think it might link to a pop audience too. Yeah, it's not very it's not risky. That I guess that's more more what it is. Yeah. It's not necessarily that it's safe. It's just not very risky. It keeps it keeps things um nice and even and very um pleasant to listen to. Like like the stuff in the eighty new wave is not like it's it's not it's not bad necessarily. It just doesn't have the sort of sweeping instrumentals that that you know Queen does, or it doesn't have like the the neat guitar solos that you know Van Halen does. It's it's just it's just very um, maybe it's more simple. In a way, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I mentioned earlier that the Cure has a connection with me to Blink 182, which I like, and I know they're very different in bands. But uh, what what's the singer of the Cure? Robert Smith. Smith. Robert Smith is actually on Blink 182's self-titled album. In this song, all of this, I think, is what it is. Very odd track, but there there's a there's a simplicity that translates between the two bands. Um, that I definitely see in in the pop punk, and I would say that the '80s starts to connect that. There's like a pop linkage, and I think the reason that this shakes, you know, rock at its core, but not necessarily bands, 
right? Is because rock was so fundamentally uh, risky, almost, right? You're talking about that idea of risk, or it's it's kind of in your face. Uh, people weren't used to that style of music. And so as it has become more widely accepted, we get some bands that come in safer, and I think they really scoop up people who weren't really on board with what rock was at the time. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely fair to say. For sure. We have a couple more bands on here. The Talking Heads uh, talk about weird. I think they are super cool, though. But they're pretty new wavey. I mean, they like... Are. They have a new wave feel, but the guy, like... David Byrne? What is what is that song that's like, you may find yourself... Living in a shotgun shell. Yeah, it's like so weird, dude. I get that it's new wave, but it's like... It's very interesting. It's yeah. Very interesting. Very dynamic. Very weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. Uh, but I would say that bands like U2, definitely new wave. Very safe feeling. Uh, and they kind of tap in towards the 90s as well. Um, I wouldn't necessarily classify U2 as new wave. Really? But they they're, they have the same common themes of new wave. But they're not... I don't think they fall into the category, in my mind. But, I mean, I what do I know? <laughs> I mean, music definitions, what, they're just meant to be broken. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. whatever. And uh, I think for, for U2 as well, although they have a classic rock band feel... The guitarist, I'm blanking on his name, The Edge, he's very notoriously famous for creating every pedal to the exact point, creating all the effects and pedals, which, as we we're talking about, creates more of the the recording room type of yeah, very Yeah, meticulous. Yes. About it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally, totally. Um, then we got bands like, did I already say Journey? Yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, we talked about oh, okay. Journey. Uh, and then, yeah. So 1980s, I know we probably, there was a ton of bands in the 80s. We definitely uh, missed a few. Shout out to my boys, Asia. Uh, I actually like the, that band, Asia. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You do, Tim? What's that song? Heat of the Moment. There you go. I got you, dude. Yeah, but there's plenty of bands uh, continuing the story. Now, as we get into more modern music, we're going to try to emphasize. Uh, Wait, we kind of skipped over all the, all the 80s bands, though. Yeah. We just talked about New Wave. Did I not talk about Van Halen? No. Oh. Or Def Leppard. Or Whoops. Guns N' Roses. Or ACDs. Aerosmith. Or That's why I have you guys. Or are we talked about Journey. Poison. I mean, this was like this era of rock, like actual traditional rock, was, um, was like glam rock and hair rock. It was like, I think it's what people mostly think of when they think of rock. Especially classic honest. rock. Yeah, like it's on the like, radio, a lot of tons of these type of music. It's just like huge personalities, lots of cocaine, like tons of guitar solos, and like there's just this really cool um, feeling to it. You know, it feels like it should be up on a stage and like and like blasted with huge, huge amps. You know, like it just has that feeling of like we are going to knock this place down with with our sound you know it's huge it oversteps its bounds in a lot of ways <laughs> oh man cameron's getting excited now i love i mean yeah I, I this era isn't my favorite but it's like it's very good it's very, very important. good yeah very important for sure i didn't i thought for some reason because i said you guys were like oh you said journey i was like oh, i must have said van halen too but no you just talked bad. about journey because uh because of frank Oh, that's right. That's right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Uh, any other notes on the '80s? I didn't have a song from Van Halen. Weird so. hair. Weird hair. Weird clothes. Weird, Weird style. 
Very weird, dude. But so like unique. I like. It was such a time. I like the eighties. Me too. I, uh, even though I didn't live through them, <laughs> I like them. But Stranger Things way overrated. Hey, wow. I like the first okay. season. Tim's just a hater, dude. I am. You're just such a little hipster over there. I am. Dude, you two is like so old. Oh my goodness. It's weird. They started right? in 1976. They did in Wow Ireland. That's like that's old. They are old. That is funky. Let's move on, guys. We're almost coming up on an hour. Got uh, alongside. We probably will cut this show short. It's almost eleven. Cameron has to get back. We spent a lot too much time talking about music. Yeah. So hopefully it's not coming across way too tired or anything like that. But uh in the nineteen nineties we start I mean, the theme continues, right? We get those bands that are super meticulous. Like uh the starting clip of this show, which is Radiohead. Uh now Radiohead doesn't necessarily start or their their music doesn't sound that weird in electronica they kind of have i don't know what new wave means man but i feel like this song high and dry has like that um new wave or it's like that safe feeling it should i don't know there's Is something it, about it i would consider this more singer songwriter type of stuff not so much new wave but yeah i don't know but like this kind of music doesn't sound like that weird experimental kid a album stuff uh but yeah the 90s really saw a surge in super meticulous studio work and and it's no different right every decade has it but for me uh something about the bands that were doing work in the studio really stuck out bands like uh smashing pumpkins um let's see yeah uh other stuff like i mean foo fighters david Grohl and what he did with foo fighters he recorded i think the first foo fighters album all by himself he played every single instrument yep on really? that track i yeah. didn't know that yeah and and so that I mean that just speaks to the the quality and and the um, popularity of yeah. studio work in the nineties. Well. I'd say I'd say the Red Hot Chili Peppers have that have that vibe too. Um, I know we didn't really talk about them before, but like mm-hmm. they've got um, they're unique in in a lot of ways because they bring in so many different influences. But I think their songs are just very like well put together in a lot of ways. I'm not a huge fan, but like. You can tell that they put a lot of thought and time into what they're doing. I always liked uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers until somebody said, have you ever listened to him sing? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And usually voices don't bother me, but now it's like once you once someone says that to you, mm. you cannot go back. Mm. So mm. I, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Just be, be careful when you listen to the Chili Peppers. Don't listen to him sing. But um, on the other side of that coin... Um, was grunge and i think grunge was like grunge and punk were the sort of quintessential music forms of the 90s in my my opinion even even like including pop um like you can i guess you could kind of consider madonna as like the the defining like 90s pop musician but but like i mean we're talking about bands yeah 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 exactly but so like punk and grunge to me so we're talking nirvana pearl jam Soundgarden. um i would throw the i would throw the foo fighters in there too um stone temple pilots alice in chains like that era of like basement dwellers almost like they're they're these like we're gonna sit in our garage we're gonna play a little uh uh 
a little tiny amp with our friends and and just just really goof off and and not even know how to play the guitar but but just make a couple noises that sound good cover it up with distortion and yell a little bit into the mic and like that was that was huge uh, at the time like yeah. it came out of it came out of Seattle mainly and like it was just a lot of like really angry um college age kids who were like you know screw the man and stuff you know they had this like angst to it so yeah i mean i I definitely i definitely fall into the pop punk vibe and style i mean if you know i always talk about how i like punk music and i enjoy the angst and all that stuff i don't know there's there's a lot of emotion behind it and i like there's something that comforts me as a musician where these you said it right there's something about playing in a small amp not really knowing how to play your instrument and yet these bands went so far. And that's like inspiring to me. Yeah. And I think it should be inspiring for a lot of people. Here's a clip from uh, Soundgarden. This is Spoonman kind of to help you understand the feeling of grunge. I think that the static helps there. Cameron's already head rocking. It's just like super crunchy. Just so like Oof. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good stuff. It's good stuff. Like I I don't I don't appreciate well, okay, so Soundgarden is kind of unique because they're actually really good musicians and they use things like like weird time signatures and they do really funky stuff. But I I don't love what came after this era because it it started to to be really reliant on the whole I don't know what I'm doing, but I play really loudly, you know, and, and I think that's what you're talking about is, is pop punk after this came from this, it came from grunge and it almost became rancid. I mean, I think it did, but pun intended. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just very lazy in a lot of ways I find most of the time. But like this era when it started, it was actually born out of something that was um not lazy and was counterculture. Like it was at the time it was it was bringing things back to the roots of like no, we don't really want to play huge guitar solos on big stages with a bunch of lights and a bunch of, you know, a big crowd. We want to play for a couple friends in a garage. And like if we sell some albums, that's cool too, you know? <laughs> like yeah. that's that's that was the feeling. Well, this is what cracks me up when you said the small lamp thing and brought me right back to this uh sale that I saw on reverb.com probably like 3 years ago, which sells uh used musicians gear. And there was a thing, what's the lead singer of Green Day? Billy uh Idol? I don't know. I don't no, know. Billy Idol. No. No. What's his name? I don't like You're close. It's, Green Day. It, it's uh oh my gosh, what is it? Don't you like Green Day? No, it's I mean they're all right. No. I'm is not they? like crazy about them. I I think they're good. Starts with Billy. Billy something. Billy Cyrus. Oh man. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Joe Armstrong. There we go. Billy Joe. Billy Joe. You were close-ish. Yeah, yeah but uh they were selling one of his crap amps, like literally one of the worst amps ever. 
a tiny practice amp for like three thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! And he was you like, know, he's a Berkeley native. He was like, I'm yeah. just selling all my stuff I don't want. If you guys want to buy it, and look at him. Look at it. He just looks like such a punk. Like I, if you saw this guy on the street, you'd be like, man, that guy. I heard something about him like writing a feminist book or something. I can't oh, remember if it was dear. a parody or not. Yeah, that's counterculture. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure what was going on with that. But needless to say, you know, the 1990s they produced a lot of music. And that's what we're oh, talking, wait, talking wait, about. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Top on stories. Episode. Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong talks potential gender-swapped American Idiot musical. <laughs> yeah, so he's I, he's trying to stay relevant. You know, wow. you gotta okay. give him credit. Yeah, I guess. But um, yeah, so hopefully the narrative still stands. I know we keep beating it over the head, but it's like an interesting concept, right? Like we're brainstorming. Well, it's, tension. it's it's tension in in the rock genre. I mean, even between Cameron and I in the 90s, we were born in the 90s, but we hardly experienced them, right? And I like pop punk and there's still this tension between Cameron and I where he's like I want the grunge. I'm okay with simple. I want the grunge, you know, but he's like I don't like pop punk and I'm like I like pop punk, you know, even though that has like the uh the pop influence which you know Cameron you're not a fan of no any thoughts on the 90s Tim not really I feel like that's one of the worst decades for music wise well and well we got college rock that's a little bit different personally but yeah I mean define like what do you what do you mean what do you mean like you got the pixies that's probably one of the bigger you got oasis yeah that was on our list but we haven't got to them yet a little bit more softer rock not rock but more on the spot type of feel rather than in, this, in the recording sessions. But yeah, I'm never a big fan of the punk or the grunge as well. Mm, I feel like mm. the world's a worse place for it, but <laughs> this is my... I mean, there's not much to touch on Oasis. They just have Wonderwall, you know. But yeah, at that time, they were considered like the second coming of the Beatles. I know, it's crazy to think. Wow, right? yeah, yeah, imagine. And maybe... Or Champagne Supernova. That's all I hear when I hear that song. You know, speaking of just like really overplayed songs, we were gonna open the podcast <laughs> to Smash Mouth. <laughs> which would have been hilarious. Dude, people are gonna think we're on drugs right now, which is very fitting of rock and roll. Yeah. So any anything else on the nineties? Because I'm trying to keep this train rolling. Everybody died of drugs. We got ten 90s. minutes. We got ten minutes to go. A lot of indie people became real quick. A lot of indie people, indie artists, kind of had their their roots in the nineties. That's all I would say about that. So definitely, definitely. So that moves us to the two thousands, where our same narrative stands. Actually, we have the split between the bands who have that natural feeling of playing on stage, and then the hyper-produced um, band. But but there, there's a little bit of curse. There's a little bit of a curse in this hyper-band, or hyper-band uh, super studio meticulous creation formula. And, and, and the issue is the... Uh, it's not even an issue. It's it's the popularity and, and the usability of technology at the time. Uh, bands like Linkin Park, which mixes rap... Uh, a band and oh you know um, electronica all together. Oh here's here, here's a clip oh right here. Oh, no. Cameron loves this. It's so you? awful. Well, but it's very different. You know, you gotta give him credit. No, we don't. This is like this actually 
is quintessentially the 2000s era. Yeah, no, no. Like, the, it's super iconic. But I, I'm just, I just think it sounds the only so bad. The only reason I'm keeping it in, because it, it has rap. No. And uh, it's just like, wow. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Remember when people thought that was good? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I keep respect on it, dude. It's better than what I can do. And like I said earlier... Don't say no? it. Okay. Don't say it. Rip Chester, Tim, you <laughs> jerk. That's what he gets for being in a shitty band. <laughs> you know how much editing I have to do on this episode already? Oh, so I'm, much editing. I might not even edit it. I'm so triggered about our sound issues right now. What if you just spliced in all of the songs? What if I just we spliced using? in a Chester yell right when he swore? <laughs> That's probably what I'll do. Or what about you? Hung waka waka. <laughs> oh wow, Tim! All right, wow. We're just not gonna invite you back, dude. <laughs> Too dark. Uh, yeah, this so, is a family show. You know, we got um, <laughs> Lincoln Park. <laughs> Although I, I'm not a big fan of them, they were able to sell tons of albums, and so that was an interesting aspect to that to to them as well. But yeah, no, they they did they did really well. Um. You know, something something I noted with Jules the other day is that some of these pop bands, I think they have good legs because they can actually reach younger audiences, like kids almost. And there's something about middle schoolers in Linkin Park that just links, dude. Oh, man. Well, I mean, when we were... Uh, Linkin Park was like because popular tra- when I was in elementary school. It's like Transformers, dude. It was at the end of Transformers. And kids were like, yo... I no, heard no, 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 no. what I've done at the end of Transformers <laughs> 1. I love that song, okay? And no. it's the same today. You don't know it, though. Post Malone puts uh, Sunflower in that new Spider-Verse movie. Mm. That's a rap song that kids can listen to because it's not explicit. And they're blasting it everywhere, dude. That song is still on the top of the charts. Wasn't so Biggie it was in, uh, <laughs> in Spider-Verse too? Yeah. No, no, but it's, it's edited. Yeah, yeah. But this song has no... Swearing at all Oh okay That's why That's some pretty big Celebrity artist as And well. the movie starts With that song And ends with it too mm. So it's like the song That it's just made For kids to listen to Over right. and over and over again And so then catchy. they listen to To his other albums Called Beer Bongs and Bentleys <laughs> And they're made and Instant they're like, fans Wow I love this music <laughs> Congratulations Post Malone You did it Yeah congratulations Post Malone fun For attracting fact, 12 year olds Fun fact about Sunflower Pun intended as well Post Malone doesn't sing until like a minute and a half into the song. Mm. Sway Lee, for some right? reason, yeah, like nobody gives nope. credit to the other artists. Yeah, Sway Lee is so good. Yeah, he sings great at the beginning of it. But the people are like, Post Malone, I like that song, you know? It's like, dude, feels bad for the other guy who sang his heart out at the beginning. <laughs> Post Malone never says needless to say, which is like the hook of the song. Reels? He never says it. I feel like the, I don't know. Because yeah. the artist of the band is like, needless to say, uh, 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 right? And then, like, Post Malone's verse is like, every time I Because <laughs> I like, love this rendition. That's exactly what it sounds like, dude. It's Pretty much. With no I just didn't want to pull it up. All right. But yeah, we got so, uh, bands like Linkin Park in the 2000s, which is that studio, like, heavy studio mix. Um, what else? What else is, like, heavy studio influence? What bands like Coldplay, right? Yeah. Influential. I I got a track. I mean, shout out to Coldplay. I know I I rip on them for the concert. I went to see them, but Speed of Sound is a great track. Here it is, right here. Except it usually doesn't have that much distortion. Wow, it sounds really. 
I don't know what's going on, guys. Sounds kind of fun. It's an upgrade to the r- real sound. But you get like that open ambience, right? We're talking about how that new wave kind of influenced it as well, right? Good song. Speed what about sounds. Nickelback? We didn't talk about Nickelback. <laughs> Imagine Dragons. Really there's a, did. There's a there's a reason we didn't talk about Nickelback. Okay, Cameron. Yeah. There is a reason. Uh, other other bands. I mean, would you guys think that the Killers is pretty studio produced? Yeah. They, yeah, they are. All right. Well, here's a track from them called "All the Things I've Done." Cameron, you're a fan of the Killers. Here, here it is, right here. Extra distortion. <laughs> kind of blends in well to the mix yeah now why do you think this song is is good well it does the thing that me and tim were talking about where it goes into it breaks into a couple different sections of the song but i think it's really interestingly written um and i think the killers are good at um at like actually crafting their songs to be like cohesive pieces the melody um, part or the the lyrics yeah like everything i mean i mean they even the, they break away from like the song formula, you know the 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 verse chorus verse chorus or verse bridge chorus chorus. Mm-hmm. They break away from that a lot, and they they make things that are really, um, I would say, interesting and unique. They but still with like very pop influence sound. Yeah, and they're they're one of the only bands that I like that are like just kind of open about how poppy they are, you know? Mm. Um, Cameron needs honesty. Because if he hears pop and you don't admit to it, he's going to come after you. No, I mean, (laughs) I just don't really like pop. but I know. But but the thing about it is they use pop sounds, but they expand on it with the form. Like, they they break the form, but still have familiar sounding, you know, sounding songs. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think of the killers, Tim? The first album, Phenomenal, it does a really good job of having the indie rock sound, yet it's kind of the also the polished into a gleam with the studio sound, which it, in this sense it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just it's there and it probably makes the album better. Let's keep on this trend of the 2000s. I think we touched, I mean, there's tons of bands that spent so much time in the studio and more more than we have time to get to tim you want to shout out a couple yeah the first one that comes to mind was the collaboration with the from man from death cat for cutie um the postal service and their idea was just tons of electronic beats and it's the sound so not not necessarily clean it just they do sounds very studio and so they do a really good job on that sense mm. i'm not sure you're familiar with them Totally. There's like so many bands I want to mention that nobody knows. Give my them to co- me. My coworkers laugh at me because they're like, Isaac's music is so weird, dude. And I'm like, it's not that weird. Like, I don't even listen to weird stuff, but they constantly think I'm listening to like alien sounds and stuff. They're like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? But uh, that'll be for another episode. We're trying to stick with the band topic. So, you know, we have the heavy produced, but there's still like this heart and soul of music during this time in the 2000s that leans on like the raw band in the garage. And I think there was a craze caught with Vampire Weekend. Here's one of their tracks, A-Punk. You've probably heard it before. It just has that quick, like... I mean, it, it sounds like a punk band, too. I don't I don't even know how to... It sounds like what we're trying to describe. Like, nothing's, like, super clean. It's clearly, like, played by a group of musicians that... 
are, as far as I'm concerned, more talented than I am, but like you don't hear that studio flair. There's like mm, more yeah. of like a, a driving heart behind them pouring themselves out into what they can do. And that's a fun energy and it's still there in modern music, right? Um, I know a lot of people really enjoy the black keys as well. And so we're gonna show you guys I got mine, which really harkens back to classic blues rock. Here's a here's a beginning of that. I mean, I, I like. There's something about this album where I'm like, you could have told me this is an old, like this is old music. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's like super old school bluesy rock. Like it reminds me of the Stones a lot, actually. Um, it reminds me of like, like opening a song with with a with a great guitar riff. Like that's cool. That's 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 cool. And that riff is in sort of the same position as another Zeppelin riff. I cannot remember the name of the song though. Yeah. Come on, Cameron. You... I don't know what I don't know what riff you're talking about. How many more times? There you go. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So that... How many more times? Dude, wow. I can't believe I beat you to that. Yeah. Some fan. Some fan, Cameron. Psh, whatever. Uh, Come but, at me. Yeah, I got mine actually shares the same position as uh how many more times? Um it's like the same four notes, just mm. in a different order. And I always thought that was interesting. It's like, whoa. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure much better guitarists will be like, no, it's not. That's not the right thing. I'm your bad guitar. <laughs> Whatever. It's besides the point. So yeah, the 2000s, I mean, they're, they're still uh, hustling along, and I think they keep to this theme, but really the break comes at the 2010 time, which we're going to get to in a second. A couple last bands I want to touch on in the 2000s. Um, Arctic Monkeys. Uh, Tim, you're a big fan of Arctic Monkeys, right? Yeah, yeah. The first album, I believe, came out 2006, and it, that just blew up everybody on the scene because it came out of nowhere. It was very raw rock sound. Not, I won't say grunge or a little bit like slight punk. And if you hear the newer album, AM, and then Hotel Con- Hotel Con- Casino and Bar or whatever, and that's very more of a gleamy producing sound but their first album was so like out of nowhere energy rock and that kind of re reinvented by it introduced a new generation of rock people and influenced a lot yeah i know that arctic monkeys kind of get clumped sometimes next to the black keys or even uh the killers and also the national right you're yeah. a huge national fan yes definitely their their talent for such minor details that no one would like notice they're all in the different different layers of their sound and it's taken them like 20 years to reach to where they're at now yeah like, I, I and i love stories of bands that like take a long time to climb to fame i actually never liked the national till their most recent album okay song the day i die is really really good and you're a big fan of their drums on that track, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great track. Um, but yeah, the national just starting to win me over, which is cool to say. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, Tim is a huge national fan. Yeah. Any bands that you liked in the 2000s, Cameron, that stick out to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right, go back to your vinyls. Before we move on, though, I think there's a there's a notorious band that we have to touch touch on because it's like exactly the sort of um, sickness that we're talking about what, <laughs> in what? modern music. The Strokes, Fall Out Boy. <laughs> oh yeah, so Fall Out Boy bridges the gap between the 2000s and the modern band time, and we're gonna show you an exact example of why we are fearful and and almost shaking to our core <laughs> when we hear the idea of what a band is today. So so we're gonna show you what a band is, and then how a band forgot what a band is at the same time. And I kind of want to save this to the end. But we can do it now. Okay. Should, okay. We, should we do it now? Uh, whatever. I mean. All right. So check it out. This is the 2000 sound of Fallout Boy. You've probably heard this before. Now that is punk, dude. Hard guitar. Wait for the solo. Here it comes. Again, we apologize for the sound quality. I'm just playing it off my phone into the soundboard. So. But we, we wanted to give you a reference. And then here's the singer, real quick. Good balance of pipes and punk, in my opinion. Some people disagree. Now, uh, here is something called Immortals off their last, uh, one of their last or newer albums, American Beauty, American Psycho. And um, it just kind of helps me feel like our episode is is not for nothing because this is where our frustration comes and our confusion comes because where's the band (laughs) (laughs) it sounds even better with the distorted (laughs) it's awful it's so bad oh my gosh dude some people get down to this though I just like what happened to Fallout Boy? They fell out. <laughs> like what nice happened to too. the band, dude? It sounds like one guy on a track. How is that a band still? They must play with musicians, right? No, I don't think so. Do you think they actually have instruments when they're on recording stage? on stage? I think so. So here's my here's my concern. All right. I don't know. Now the church I play at. And this is the majority of my music experience to this day. We the Mormon some- church, right? No. What? <laughs> I play at a church called Community Christian in uh, Campbell. Um, and we use a system called Ableton Live. And it is a software that you can... It's a DAW. So you can make music on it. But it's really well known for its stage um, utilization and, it, and its tools. So it's weird, but the worship music that we'll play at the church... It has backing tracks to pick up the slack for the instruments we don't have available. So, the like it's cool because you'll add in organs, synths, and even it can even do backup vocals, whatever, as long as you have the actual program files to cue in. The issue is you can't fall off the song, if that makes sense. You have to be right on with the song, and so we have something called a click track, which basically is a thumping sound in your in-ears that keeps you in time. And even worse, this is what a ton of musicians dislike, is there's a voice in your head that says, chorus, three, two, one, and then you blast in the chorus with the first chord, right? But this trend has been, like, pretty popular in church music, but it's not just in church music. Like, 
all the major bands and the big bands are definitely playing with tracks. When I went to see Coldplay, there are four people on stage. There were like 20 instruments coming out of those speakers, okay? They're all playing with tracks, right? But it just, it leads to this laziness in the live performance where indifference, like, for instance, I, I saw this band called Phil Wickham. Uh, or well, he's a he's a Christian singer, right? And he was at this conference, and he played. And the best thing about seeing him play is that his music, the studio record music, is so track heavy that my fear is that when I saw him, there was going to be like all tracks. But the difference was is that the band walked up on stage, and it was really hard to tell if there were tracks or not. Mm. And that's what I thought was really neat. All the instruments cut in through clear. You could see that nobody was playing anything over the top, right? Because you know, that's not what church music is about. It's not supposed to be a show. Um, well, it's, I don't know. It's confusing, okay? It's a show. It's not a show. I don't know. You're worshiping God and all that stuff. So, like, you know, the band, but the band is playing. The band is playing live. There was an opening band before them that definitely was using tracks. So, it's like tracks have to be used tastefully. Or if they're in there, they can't be too noticeable. Or, like, if, if it's a band that's playing with tracks, like, make the band louder than the tracks. That's my big pet peeve, right? It's like, make the band louder than the tracks. Maybe they're not louder on the actual studio record, but make them louder in the performance. Like, let them cut through. It's just, that's not happening today. And there's something, as a musician, personally, I'm just like, my gut is twisting. Well, and also, as an, as an audience listener, and uh, as a musician... Some of the most interesting and enjoyable parts about live music are the is the fact that they're it's actually live. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this tension when you when you go to a concert, there should be ideally this tension of um walking on the edge of something really high. You know what I mean? It's it's this it's this very similar feeling you get where it's like Oh wow, this is really risky because you're playing with you know f- five other humans who could mess up at any time, but they're really really good, so they're not going to mess up. And there's like this, you, you know, you're like tightrope walking, and and that to me is the most interesting and and impactful part of live music is that in front of a stage is I mean also it's probably because I've played live. In, in places um, and I've had that feeling of like oh I, I am I gonna mess up this you know am I am I gonna screw something up but then when you do something right and you do you do it really well there's nothing more invigorating for the player or for the audience and so like to have this thing in your ear that says here's the thing that you should play next is like so Ugh, it's yeah, just it's, so it's boring. A, but to it's me. like it's like avoiding risk, right? Yeah, it's like a risk revo- reduction and, and avoiding reward. Well, I mean, some people don't see it some way. I mean, I already defended Imagine Dragons, so we're gonna rip on you for a second. I mean, like, how do you play this song live as a band? If you could see Cameron's eyes right now. They, I can't believe they rolled back into his brain and all the way back around, straight 360. I gotta say, this song is super catchy though. Credit where it's due. Oh gosh. <laughs> but I just, I don't know how you play it live. Like, what does the band do? 
like it, it was the same way like when uh, Maroon Five played on the halftime show this year. And there's that, abs? there's that sudden moment where, uh, you know, what what's the rapper that showed up? Travis Scott or Travis B-boy? Scott is rapping, right? And then Adam Levine strums a power chord, on, and there's just a dissidence. Like, it just doesn't fit live music in the track. It just doesn't mesh correctly sometimes. And that is becoming more and more apparent with these modern bands. There's such a heavy focus on the studio production side that we have lost or maybe not lost right but we there seems to be a missing element of like the band chemistry the band energy right uh in the most popular bands with that said there are plenty of bands today there are plenty of smaller bands today that capture this energy and they might be small local bands or they or they might be even mid-tier they're just not on the top of the charts today and and that I think is the biggest mystery to me as a musician. The one thing that I will say is I lied earlier in saying that there are no bands from the two thousands that I enjoy. Um, I really like Kings of Leon. I I think they're great. And you like Cage the Elephant. And uh, they're not really two thousands. No, two thousand ten. They're yeah, they're later. Two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Uh, I guess that was their first album, but like they got, I, I, I think they got popular in, in the 2012 with yeah. their Millophobia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, which I think is their best album, but personally. it's a pretty solid album. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think there's, there's just something lost in rock nowadays. It's something that I've been asking. <clears throat> What's the difference between rock and pop? Like if you showed me that song from whoever the, who, what it's one okay. was it? It's Imagine okay, Dragons okay, or Kevin. or Young the the, Giant. the right. little people or uh, Panic at the Disco or like, uh, this is Young the Giant. If you want to hear him really fast, Mind Mind Over Matter, great song. The guy is an awesome vocalist too. Actually, you can hear the instruments, the bass. There's a sub bass and synthesizer, but the drums sound live. You know, so. This guy's got pipes, too. So, I mean, like, Young the Giant, don't be ripping. Keanu's, right? Keanu's seen Young the Giant live. So she said I, she said that they were really good. I've touched his hand. But, I don't know, there's... <laughs> <laughs> Why do we invite you on here? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, anyways, anyways. Um, I think there's something lost about... Um, you were saying pop and rock. Yeah, but but like, we don't have a band that will just come on stage and like, and like, play a solo that they've never played before, or play something that they've never played before. You know what I mean? Like they, we don't have bands that take take risks like they used to. In in, I mean, I think especially the seventies. Um, like I don't know. It just it just bothers me that it doesn't seem organic none of the musicianship seems organic it all seems manufactured through ableton live you know right. it, it all seems like it's and i'm not i'm not ragging on electronic music necessarily um like i think synth stuff and electronic music has its place um especially when it's creative like when it does something interesting and cool like, yeah um, like, like phoenix pretty good example of that. yeah yeah and and i think mgmt is is another example of that too um but but then but to me that's not 
that's not what I appreciate about about rock. Um, like I don't know, it just it just really bothers me. Now modern rock really just bothers me. Well, yeah, and and we're talking about bands, but it's like bands usually are categorized in rock if they're a band. It's just odd. They're just clumped together. Yeah, I don't. I can't. What does it mean? Yeah, I I don't know what rock means anymore. Right? Rock Uh, is dead. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but we're on the topic of bands, and this is probably one of the more confusing things. I like Twenty One Pilots. Think they're great, but they're not a band. They're two people. And people regard them as a band. Here, here's a clip, and I, and I think I have a no, I have an idea of why people think they're a band, and I'm gonna get to it after you give them a chance. I just wanna stay in the sun where I find. I know it's hard sometimes. Pieces of so like, there's there's a major like hip hop side to uh, Twenty One Pilots. A lot of rap verses and and whatnot. You can hear it in their their tracks on Vessel, which is their collaborative first album, and uh, and then they they get only further into rap with their later releases, especially their their newer songs. Trench, um, off of, off a of trench or lane. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. What was that song on Trench? Levitate. It's like really like almost Eminem esque. Okay. Um, here is why I think they're considered a band, and it taps into what you're saying. The whole risk thing. 21 Pilots, since their early shows, and I, I've watched a little bit of like a document, a documentary about like what some how someone saw their evolution come along. They've always had this idea of risk or like doing something different. I, I saw a video of one of their first shows where the guy he plays piano and then his he has a drummer that's with him too, and he and he raps and jumps around the stage, but he did something that was like okay, I'm going to teach the crowd to sing this part of the song, right? But then when they were singing that part of the song, he got off the stage and walked in the middle and stood on a chair and started beaming a flashlight around on everyone. And then at the drop part, like jumped off everybody, right? And even if it was well thought out, there's a level of like absurdity and excitement with 21 Pilots. Yeah. And that's why people can regard it as a band. And even to this day, like apparently the, the lead of 21 pilots does obscure things while he performs like bangs on the piano or rolls around and he's like super dramatic because he's trying to capture that uh the basically an element that isn't on the record right he's trying to capture that excitement or the risk factor and so i think that's why maybe some people regard 21 pilots as a band even though it's a two-person duo you know Mm, mm. and the only live instrument is the drums pretty much so very interesting mystery music today. Yeah, where did it go? What happened? It all it all is made in the computer. But there's still there's still bands out there that are that are trying to you know, capture that band spirit. I think the Alabama Shakes are are one for me that I really appreciate for bringing back sort of the soul of it. What are you looking at, Tim? I saw you Deer Hunter as well. Oh, Sorry. this is just a list of like stuff. Yeah, now Vampire Weekend is number three. This is the list list of fifty best rock bands right now, and Vampire Weekend is number three. Can I share with you guys you a quick uh, a quick song from this band called The Drums? Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite band right now. And their and their their modern music is a little bit less um, 
less band focused, but they they've actually done they've done a callback to surf rock. Here's a little clip of their their track, The Days. Almost, uh, yeah, that's that's it. I don't know how to describe it. Is it new wave esque? Yeah, it's very it's very new wave. Yeah, and they, and they have like something yeah. about like the over the they have like an over reverb on the yeah. guitar. They like overdo the reverb on the guitar, and I, and mm-hmm. I love it. But um, yeah, this band the 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 drums is really good. I especially love the song the days or days. It's just days. They, they, they. The days. I don't know what I'm saying, guys. It's late. Let's wrap it up, boys. What are we, what are we talking up. about? What are we even saying? What's the point? Now I'm saying that I think rock is dead and jazz is is going to live on. Uh, it's coming back. It's got a resurgence. Jazz and R&B. I think rock will come back around. It just needs some time to rest. Yeah, I think so. People loved it. It's and been in the spotlight so long. It needs yeah. some time to go away. But also, there's like really interesting, unique stuff happening with hip hop nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and this is coming from someone who used to really not like rap at all. Um, and like, there's still stuff now that I just I really dislike. But um, but a lot of really interesting, unique things are happening in the hip hop space. Um, that I think is cool. And I think once once they start embracing, and you, you see it happen, but once once they start embracing the sort of jazz, soul, R&B elements, I think that's when like rap and hip-hop is going to like totally, totally take off, in my mind. And that's when it, it, it goes back to the roots of, of musicianship. Like one of the things that people complain about rap in the early days and this is something that i actually appreciate early rap for but is it it's super heavily reliant on beats and like making everything tight and within the beat um and it's not so much uh concerned with the music of it but if we if 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 rap starts to bridge that gap of of bringing in instruments and i think kendrick is the perfect example of this is like he brings in instruments his last person or his last album was mixed by what's his name do you know his name um Thundercat? no no it, oh, man well i know the I'm one blanking. that uh, he did king kuna on was highly oh. helped produced by uh Kamizi yeah, 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 yeah. Kami- yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's like a jazz yeah. musician. Yeah. Um, and he's yeah, Tim he's actually great. showed me Desire. I think is the name of the small EP that Kamizi yeah, from Washington, something like that. It was 2014, like, right? Something like that. No, 2017. Am I old? 2017. It's like a. But right now, I see the biggest, the biggest like, um. inspiration happening in hip-hop in jazz with people like like snarky puppy i think are just amazing and in in like like kind of old school rhythm and blues as well as like soul um i think we're seeing i think we're seeing a lot of that so definitely any last thoughts tim yeah i'll go something similar with cameron how hip-hop is becoming a little bit more creative and it seems like the actual community, hip hop communities, just got tired of the same old thing. And there, there's new people com- up and coming. They're actually doing a very detailed job in creating the live sound, yet also kind of pretty good mastery on them. And then the biggest, the biggest um, 
feature in music is probably indie because there's so many good sounds. It's undefined. Well, I think indie never dies. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the interesting thing. And indie has more of a platform more than ever now. And you're gonna get a sub indie genre now where it's like, it's like this isn't indie enough. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be like the super indie. It's like the hipster hipster. Yeah. I mean, you kind of already have that. You, espe- I think you especially have that in different like, layers the, of the indie. EDM world, like or like the, the the wave world. Most definitely, EDM is so confusing. You got like synth wave, yeah. tropical, dubstep, trap, house, endless I stuff. I hate house. I hate trap too. Really, it's garbage. <laughs> what I love about EDM is that you see the trends before they hit the pop charts. Mm, like yeah. trap is huge in rap right now, but trap was like. Six years ago for EDM, <laughs> like it's it's really funny. I don't know, like it's it's weird because I'll hear like Drake's new album, and Juliana's like, "Yeah, this is like a slapper, dude. Like this is a total banger." And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "I've heard this before. Like I've heard this trappy before. I don't know where, but it's like it's not interesting to me." And that that's actually the. I mean, this is a different subject, but electronic music production has ruined a lot of music for me hmm. the other day i was listening to a song called working for it by zero z h z h u and then skrillex and that has one of the most like in your face productions i've ever heard on an electronic song and i'm and i was listening to it, i was like dude this is amazing and i was like this is why i can't enjoy other music you know <laughs> it's just like if it's gonna not have the band heart and it's gonna lean into the production. You better impress me. Like that. It's like that's that's the that is like a very unhealthy position. I'm trying to be more positive. I I'm trying to like the simple things now. But, I actually you know. totally get that too because like, I think that's why I'm ruined on like simple music is because I played jazz for four years, you know, and I I love jazz, and it's like it's like okay if you're gonna, you, you gotta either be really really energetic and like have such a good stage presence or like a a good like uh like a good chemistry with your band or you have to be like an excellent musician like that's that's kind of my criteria at this point well it's a weird mix and the great thing about music is it's always evolving and now it has more of a voice and more of a platform than ever and so like we're excited to see where it goes and Hopefully you guys got something good out of this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 41 of Everything Comes From Something. We are so happy you joined us till the very end. If you guys like what we're doing, check us out at patreon.com slash ecfspodcast where you can throw a couple bucks our way, but you already know it. I told you at the beginning of the show. I'm not excited for new music. I just want to listen to old dead guys. Oh, man. Cameron saying the truth. (laughs) Now, usually we have a post show, but we never get to it now, so I don't even know why we talk about it. Bands we didn't talk about. No, we're not gonna. We're no, tired. I gotta go. It's eleven thirty. Um, hey, if you want to continue the discussion with us, we don't usually tell you to reach out, but we'd love to know what you think. Uh, if we miss some bands or you have some bands you think you want us to check out, you can find us on social medias. Reach out to us on Patreon. Uh, I'm really curious to know what our audience thinks is up, and you know, if you know us personally, just text us. I think that's fun too. The only reason we had Tim on the show is because he was bothering us about last episode, and I thought it was hilarious. So. You never know. You also, like, if you have a band that is, like, kind of obscure or whatever and you think we'd like it, like, you've heard us talk for this past hour or whatever um, about this, the types of music that we like. So, like, just shoot it our way. I'd, I'll be down to check it out. I never look for new music. I absolutely am just t- totally stuck in my little, 
little cave. <laughs> Looking at Feels. the dancing images on the walls. Feels. I want somebody to bring me out like Plato and be like, here's the, the world. What the heck is this analogy? You know the Plato's, you know Plato's cave? I don't know. I, I have no idea. You've never read The Republic? What's the deal with Plato? Welcome to the after show, wasn't, guys. Wait, wait. Wasn't Plato, you know, um, I don't what it wasn't Play-Doh for something? <laughs> Play-Doh was something before it was a toy. It was supposed to take... This is it. It was supposed to take the coal stains off the I walls. said that like two episodes ago. I know. I, well, I was trying to ask you because I knew Play-Doh. you knew. Play-Doh. I, I mean, Plato. Like the philosopher. <laughs> oh, that's what you're talking about. Well, I think there's no other better way to end the show. So, the cave? You know, have a good Mom one, Prince guys. Told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years stop coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming.